0: It's 4 p.m. Stand up. It's count time. It's time for every man and woman to stand up and be counted. I'm Brother L.D. Azobra, and I'd like to welcome you to another edition of Count Time Podcast. And I have here a special young lady, Miss Arlene Kane Smith Sanders. That's a whole lot name for the old man to remember. <laughs> I have to recognize all of the people in my life. No, that's all uh, so, th- that's good. I mean you're proud of your history. I'm proud of my history. And this young lady here has a whole lot of history. And she knows about history back to my days of family. Her dad, the great things her dad and her grandfather done. And we want you to share with us all
1: the wonderful things we back here off of, Where are we located? where are you located now? I'm located off of Hagen Lane. One more time. Um, the Hagen Lane. Spell it. U M B E H A G E N. And that's in East Baton Rouge Parish outside of the city limits. And it's a place where I was born 71 years ago. Oh, you're a young yeah. lady. I'm right there. Of
0: then. course. Okay. okay. 71 years ago. It's 1921. So
1: when is your birthday? My birthday is September twentieth, nineteen
0: fifty. The good year. All right, <laughs> the good, good year, nineteen fifty. Good good yes. Year. Well, we want to sit here and, uh, and talk about this beautiful plot of land that you all have inherited, and uh, that's part of your family. It's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful plot of land right up located off a of Highland Road over here. Exactly. Now, tell us about this land. How, how, did you
1: up, how did you acquire this land? Well, I did some research, and. My research involved, first of all, after I got older, I aspired to get my degree in journalism because I wanted to research this rich history right here on the Thad Cain track, which initially was... See, wait, wait, what, what that? What came Thad D- okay. Cain. T-H-A-D-C-A-I-N. Thad Cain. But on we- my grandfather's plot, which was born in the 1800s, his name is spelled C-A-N-E, like sugarcane, And he's the only one, which probably had the correct spelling. And we have the biblical spelling of my maiden name, Cain, C-A-I-N. But this track, which was over about 111 or 114 acres from my research, and what piqued my curiosity about it, I wondered how in the world, Back in the 1800s, when we were in slavery, did my family acquire such mass amount of property, which my inheritance right now is two acres. And it was six of us, then we all have two acres. We got all, uh, we all received like a two-acre tract after the succession of the family plot. In addition, we have a cemetery that's about acre. It's you have a family cemetery on, on the property? grounds and my grandfather's buried there who was born in the eighteen hundreds. Well this this is and an it, estate then you call this an estate. This estate just it property. is an estate. Yes. Yes. And I sold one last track and God knows I wish I had bought it back uh, about three, maybe four years ago and I sold that track for a million dollars. You, you all are sitting on prime property, and that was the track across the highway where the uh, it's a little patch where Allison's located, but on the opposite. And I sold it to this firm right here. Did y'all property go all the way there at one time? Extend all the way out? Yeah, he owned 111 or 114 acres. I'm not sure which, but from my, and I have the paperwork that shows you know what the actual acres and you, were. you sold one. Acre or? I, no, I so it was like, I think a total of seven points, some acres for relatives that live out of town and I'm the one family member that has always, I've been a leader and so they wanted you, me to you, handle, the they family didn't even want to. a realtor I'm not a realtor, don't have a realtor license, but they wanted me to handle the sale yeah, they know you're gonna take care and of negotiate yeah. and the man wanted to give me, you know, like 250000 I said, oh, no. I said, I'll build a, a mall over there myself, and I'll make some money. And what I told him, he immediately decided he wanted the, the track for the, the asking price. So, but you, and you you, got rid of another track, you said. Right. That was that was that track. That was that track. That was but then they had me selling a portion of my dad's brother's track. Each one of the siblings with the exception of my dad's oldest sister, which was a track I sold for a comedian over there. She had more because she was the oldest of the family. And she and her dad, my grandfather, they purchased this whole from Jefferson Highway across the Airline
0: Highway. Uh, uh, off of Airline. Mm-hmm. So now, I remember back in the day,
1: there was all woods back here. Yes, it was. So it was like out of town really out of city minutes. And they probably bought it for peanuts back in the yeah. day, which still in the day when they acquired it back in the um, 1800s actually, when they acquired this, they probably, which was probably a, a fortune to them back in that time. And today it's worth Right. Minimum. So no,
0: nobody knew that this land would be have the value, value that because I remember when I first came to Baden Rouge in the seventies, that most of this land was was woods. was woods. But we lived; we was the only one lived, and it was like
1: most of exactly. us. There was no other people here for the most part, right? That's it. And actually, what I haven't found the answer to this: we spell our cane C A I N, but there is what I'm told. There's another cane group that spelled there C-A-N-N. But truthfully, I haven't made the connection. I think they're all related in some, but we were told we were not related to that group. It's, you know, we were a different set of canes. So, this there's a cane plantation around it or something? I would, down. with all the land my grandfather owned, I was thinking it probably was a plantation. All that land? Your, your, your grandfather. I just sold the last track, like I said, from a million to um, now. I take that back. I sold another track for the Jackson. My mom's maiden name was Jackson. And she and her sister that just recently died were the only living heirs on the Jackson side. And I sold a one-acre track for them for a quarter of a million dollars about four years ago.
0: Of course. she's she been dealing.
1: you've been you've been willing to deal with dealing and I don't have real I'm, I'm just a family I'm a family leader and I just do okay, it. but you got this prime real estate
0: that your family owned and that has been in your family for over a hundred
1: over 100 years
0: so you say before slavery you believe
1: I really believe my dad was born in 1906 and my grandfather and if y'all have time I'll take you to the cemetery yeah, that is awesome that. Uh, my dad was born in 1906, my, and my grandfather was born in the 1800s, and that's where they came. That's why they have Thad Lane, named after my grandfather. But, but oh, the, the Umbe Hagen, the name comes It's a come. German name, but that I have not researched to see how Mr. Umbe Hagen came in. Russell likes to tell me he brought the Cane over here as slaves. And he was, and he he was a see. smart man, so you know, they wind up he got honored with a, a street, my grandfather got honored with a street named after him, and it intersects with um Behavior, who I'm told is the white German uh so male that came over. And what I did about I guess three, four years ago, uh I own an acre and a half tract that I bought. I, I don't. When the family sell property, I say, tell me about it first,
0: because <laughs> <You laughs> to... I know the history.
1: I know, and it's, it didn't come easy for them to get it. I'll buy it. I'll do whatever I have to do to buy it. So I bought an acre and a half tract that I want to build a senior's retirement, many small homes, a small senior retirement home for people who want to get out of the city and come to. Country life like I have out here. You say gonna be the
0: country life pretty
1: soon. <laughs> yeah, sure. You got that right. And I named this road. I paid the city, which I didn't think was right. I was hoping that room would help me out on that one. I had to pay them to name that road after my grandmother. I said, y'all not gonna have a fair cane lane named after my grandfather. And we're not gonna honor my grandfather. I said, I need that street name that leads to my cemetery. And they say, your cemetery? I say, well, it's a family cemetery, but I manage it, so it's mine as long as I manage it. (laughs) And what's the name of the cemetery? Payne Family Cemetery. Payne Family Cemetery. That is your cemetery. And then Mr. Russell likes to tease me. He said, hold on, hold on. People don't know. Who is Mr. Russell? Mr. Russell is my second and dearest husband and friend right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, We would be interviewing you pretty soon. And like they tell me, I like to share, like they tell me some women don't get blessed with one (laughs) good husband. The Lord blessed me with two wonderful men in my life. You must be living right. I've got to be doing something right. That's, that's, that is that's because I'm a community servant. I help those in the community that needs help. They rely on me. I was my dad's secretary. And, and you, I, you also worked at LSU. I retired from LSU. You retired from LSU. What did you do at LSU? I started off as a typist clerk three. Graduating to a clerk too, then I got to be an administrative assistant, and when I left Louisiana State University around 1997 or a little 97? Later, you left a long time ago. Yeah, that's another story. Oh, After yeah. the death of my beloved first husband, the first love of my life, I was in a state of real depression, and I couldn't take it working in the environment that I was working in and people not understand it. When you've suffered a grave loss and they don't understand how the mind works and especially when you're a person of color and you're working in an all-white environment, certainly they can't relate to emotions and feelings of loss and devastation. And not only Prior to the loss of that, the first love of my life, we lost a son who killed his wife and committed suicide. So I was dealing with, that was like 95. My son killed his wife and committed suicide in front of my first grandchild, who was an infant almost, basically a toddler. At the family home? No, right. I lived in Mayfair prior to moving back home. My mom made me move back home after the death of my husband because I had just, we were just reeling from the murder suicide. And um, my mom insisted that I come back home so they could take care of me. I had counseling, I had my granddaughter who was an infant, but anyway, my granddaughter who was an infant, not an infant, but a toddler. She knew her parents were no longer there. And my husband... She lost both parents. Mm -hmm. In her presence. He killed, like, Hyson, I don't know if you're familiar with Mayfair. I lived in Mayfair East, off of Shenadia and and, um, and Hyson. I I remember the story. I just didn't know... And that was my son. He killed his wife and he killed himself. And he brought the baby before he killed himself and put her... And my arms and kissed me and he said, Mama, take care of my baby. And I said, Dad, where's Latifa? He said, Mama, just let me go. And his dad grabbed him. And when his dad grabbed him, he put the gun to his head. He said, Daddy, please let me go. You don't want to see this. Y'all don't want to see this. And I screamed. I said, let him go. And my husband let him go. Because yeah, you knew he, you, you knew something would something with And him. he went back out to the car where he had shot and killed her right there in front of Mayfair School, and he killed himself. And y'all didn't hear no shots before mm-hmm. then? And we, it took the entire family. Uh, I'm just now able to talk about it without yeah, yeah. breaking down yeah, yeah, yeah. because I'm thankful I was raised in a Christian home, Christian beliefs. And understand that God can control any and everything. And had he wanted that to come to pass in a positive light, it would have. But he had his reasons for what he did. Because that same young man, which God had to shed this light to me, I couldn't understand how he could do such an awful thing. But he was shocked. When he was in middle, no high school at Woodlawn High, they had a party. Bertel Bell, the little boy he, unfortunately, he died. My son almost died, but God wasn't ready for him. So they so got shot in the in the nineties at a high school party. Uh-huh. They were students at Woodlawn, and they had this party at I want to say it was a break park. I think it was one of the break parks in this area. And a boy came in and he just started shooting. And Thad, which is named after my father and grandfather, which was my youngest son, Thad was shot. And Bertel Bell was shot. Bertel died. God allowed Thad to live. And then he married one of his schoolmates, Latifa Abdullah was her name. And uh, she was pregnant. Her mom wanted her to have an abortion. And we went through a really rigmarole with that. And my husband and I didn't believe in abortions and they wanted to get married and her mom didn't want to have any part of it. But today she don't recollect any of that. And maybe she doesn't. Maybe she was in, you know, what they call it, um, denial denial. and also, you know, she was really, she loved her daughter because I love my son and her daughter. She got a bachelor's, I think, at LSU and her master's from Southeastern, I think. And she's a, social, a licensed social worker for the state of Louisiana now. Isn't that amazing how she followed a path to going in a field where she had a lot of personal involvement For she and I saw so many, so, so many psychiatrists and social workers it was unreal after the death of her father and her mother. And, then, and you lost a husband. And then that was in 95, then 97 I lost the love of my life, my high school sweetheart and the most amazing husband a woman could ever desire. Mm, No faults. That's a powerful statement. And like I'm saying, some people don't get blessed with one. I got blessed with two, that I'm their queen. I am well taken care of, highly respected, and in a place of honor in Ernest and both in Mr. Russell present His president. Anytime you go call your husband Mr., (laughs) that speaks all by itself. He is is awesome. Now, what high school did you graduate from? Oh, I'm a Tiger McKinley. No, Panther, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm a Tiger LSU. (laughs) I'm an LSU Tiger (laughs) graduate. But I'm a high school Panther. Who was the principal? Who was the principal at McKinley? Oh, Lord, I had Essex, Mr. Essex, and Eames was probably at the what well, we called junior high school in those days. And uh, Mr Oh God at uh, I could see him but I can't think were of his you, name. Were you were you a cheerleader dance doll I was that. a studious honor roll Oh you had a two business I, I I was all into education. I stay I, I we competed for the honor roll at McKinley, oh, you know, and I stayed on the uh, honor So back then, your education was
0: number was one. number one. You, number took, one. Pri- you took pride in, in, in being the number one in,
1: uh, in your class. Yes, and the thing that I think really um, amazed my girls, back in the day, parents did not talk, I did with my children, but parents did not talk to their children about sex, boys, girls, uh, feelings, emotions, and all of that, and I don't really say I had a regret because my life still had a very upward you know spiral. It didn't. I was a teen pregnancy in my senior year, early senior year of high school. I got pregnant for my first husband. We were in love, but we didn't know what love was. They said, you know. But he wanted to marry me, so we got married, and we parented four beautiful. But children. you didn't get married while you're in high school. Man. Yes, I was in high school. Well, my senior. Well, I see why in the you were studious then. You didn't have time for that, you know? then. I was. I was very smart was focused. and focused. And my parents, they were a, a little bit disappointed, but they never. I never lost their support. There was never anything unkind and and never saying well, why did you do that? How did Well, parents did not talk to children about sex and about what the consequences of sex without protection, sex before marriage. The things, I did that with my, it it educated me in a sense that if any of my girls, a boy's mind of being, and I did have one, my son that committed suicide. But Like I said, I think... Well, how many children did you have? Yeah. Four. My oldest son, who almost died from staph pneumonia when he was an infant, and I really think he, he had high fever. He's successful, but he his mind is not... Um, it's not regulated to decipher reality from fiction Mm -hmm. because he sees and tells people things that took place in the family that everyone knows is not facts, but that's how he sees And I told, you know, my other kids seem to be a little distant, but what I tell them, I said, I don't think he's like that because he wants to be like that. I said, he has the same genetic makeup that you guys have, but I said, God placed it in my spirit, that child. We lost, almost lost it, to staph pneumonia. They had to ice him down. His fever was so high. And I said, I think the fever, I hear people say fever will do something to the brain. I said, and he He was a, he was a He was an infant. Okay. And so he's so much different. But he started the school, college. He finished high school, started college. He didn't make the he started at Gremlin State University. Um I'm trying to think if Coach Rob was there I don't know. But anyway, he started there. But because he didn't make the football team, he dropped out. He didn't, and his dad said, well, he was going to college for the wrong reason. He wanted to be a football player. So we had to kind of, you know, get him through that crisis of not making it. And so he just dropped out of college. But he took up a career of doing sheetrock work. He became a laborer. Okay. And uh, he loved that. And he has his own family, his own home. He's a little distant because he. But you understand why. But right? I understand. Yeah, and, but I try to get his siblings to see that. Mother. So he's the oldest. The oldest he's child? my oldest, our firstborn son. And, and who, now who is the next child? The next child is Chantel Smith Jones, and she's she's a trailblazer like her mom. She's a hard worker. She works for the state of Louisiana in. Benefits, I think she works in benefits for the state of Louisiana, and she lives in Barclay Place doing really well her husband He's a chemical plant operator And they have two beautiful daughters And then my next one was my son who committed suicide that was dad who have gave me my first grandchild And she has given me my first two great. I'm a great great a proud Great-grandmother. You're a wonderful great-grandmother. And, uh, and they love me to death, both of them. they can't help they it. They can't help it. I make them like it. I have to make them <laughs> And so then there's the baby girl, my pharmacist, Dr. Candace Smith. Yeah. And, okay, where's uh, she, she located? She lives here in uh, Baton Rouge, uh, in the North, I guess, North Baton Rouge area. But uh, she's the baby, and she's a, she's, she's a Xavier Knight. She got her doctor from Xavier Pharmacy, so she's been with Walgreens from college on through now. She should be approaching retirement by right now. Oh, okay, then. That's a, she's, a, she's the, she's th- the judgment, baby. She's oh, you, you done that quite well. But most dependable. The one make all the money, more <laughs> money than I ever thought I could make, but she's more dependent on Mama than anyone. <laughs> you made it that way. I did. Oh, okay, she's the, okay, baby. Baby. Yeah, dad, the, baby. She the baby. Her dad left me with that trouble. I, I got it. It is not true. She's she's just she's got a big heart too. She we're likes we're to you know she, she likes to give and help with somebody else's money.
0: So how many siblings do you have? How
1: many brothers and do you have? My mom said she had eleven head of children. Never head, huh? but I only know of eight. I am the oldest girl in the group. There was four girls and I'm the oldest of the four. And I've always been the leader of the pack. Okay. And then there's my older brother, he, Rudy. His name Rudy Kane. He's the oldest brother that I know. But I had a brother to drown at seven years old in uh, a pit over off on the other side of the highway over there. And uh, then my mom had a couple of cribs. Yeah. she said she had eleven here, but I couldn't come up with but eight. So. I ain't gonna worry about the rest. of okay, Cause you don't know nothing about um, the rest. And she didn't. She wasn't here long enough to tell me about the other four that made up. I mean, three that made up the eleven here. I can count for of some. Of them. Oh, okay.
0: Then.
1: And they all buried in the family. Everyone's buried in the family cemetery.
0: So even back then, your grandfather, they had the in, insight to say, "Where well, we are We not going to somebody else's cemetery. We are gonna have our own
1: cemetery." Yes. And I think that was my, and I, ha, I have a, a chronology which the state, after the 2016 flood, they wanted all cemetery owners to provide a, a chronology, a listing, of, you know, of the grave sites. And I, I was drawing my, uh, so someone could do it in autocad. I haven't gotten to that yet, but we had to plot them. And I, the ones that had markers with dates on them, but well, I have all the names, all the dates of death, the date of birth if it's on there, and the date of death. And uh, I have a file on our cemetery nice, the Kane Family Cemetery. How many people are in the. Is that big? It's not that big, but it's, uh, you know, like my grandfather's there who was born in 1849. And his, 1800. and his brothers and sisters are there. And two. all of his siblings are there. And, um, and, and the siblings' siblings. And the siblings' siblings. Oh, no, that okay. is a- the last one. Was Aunt Rosie my dad's oldest sister? I want to say she was the last one. of the, the oldest one, which was amazing, was the last of the group. My dad was the baby, but he was killed in a car accident. And uh, in the, was it in the... Seventies, I think my
0: dad. was well, born. Well, how did how did your your grandfather come to the? Was he Coming born in Louisiana, parties? or there was the, a? I mean, is it like his
1: father, father, you yeah. I don't. But, but, I am still researching them. Well,
0: made, we need to connect her with this, uh
1: I am still looking uh, into uh, that. Well, now well, I have Audrey. Yes. Audrey neighbor. Audrey neighbor. Audrey now, I have paperwork. My dad gave me. Uh, and he told me if anyone in the family would know what to do with it, I would be the one. When what happened to this track, all of his siblings inherited like eight or nine acre tracks. So this is a total of about nine acre track here. And on the other side of that opening over there was his uh, a sister's track. And then on the other side of Airline was his oldest. Sister. So when they divided it, then I bought part of his brother's track after his kids, his children acquired it. And they didn't want, you know, they didn't know the value or the future value. So I bought whatever they were selling back then. And then my dad, this is how faith has things to happen. My dad's kind of second oldest sister had no children. And he, my dad was the baby who was, my dad was born in 1906, but he was the baby of the family, so you see my aunt was born in 1800. But he had one sister that had her eight-point-some-acre track right adjacent to this track here, and that was back in the day when, uh, when my aunt died. I was married then, and my dad had put me in charge with kind of like things before his accident where he was killed in the car accident. And when my aunt died a little after that, I think she was old and it kind of took a toll on her, and she passed with no heirs, but she had willed her track and everything to my father. But what I came to learn, according to the attorney, because my dad predeceased her by one week, her track, even though it was willed, it didn't automatically, which I thought it should, go down to my dad's heirs next of kin. Well, it went back to her estate. They took it, according to the attorney we had back in the day. Went back to her estate, so I had to auction it off. And it was an eight-point so acre tract right adjacent to this, and uh, they wanted us to uh, auction it off, and I did. And this was back. My dad died in the '70s, like early '70s, so that's when that property was sold and my mom wanted to take some of her money because my dad had recently died. And she told my, my then husband, she said, Ernest, if y'all want that property, mama put up the money for y'all to get it and y'all just pay me back, y'all both working. And I thought it was a great idea, but my deceased husband, like loving and caring person, he said, I couldn't do that. He said, your dad's not there to take care of your mom. Mom don't work, he said, and whatever he left her, that's her, you know, livelihood. And he said, No. I said, but I'm working. And as he said, and they threatening to lay me off at the other corporation. They fixed it to have a big laugh. I said, but I don't care. I said, I'm working. And I said, he said, yeah, and we were buying a house and you know, we were going back and forth. And I used to have regrets, I said, I wish I'd have been more aggressive and tried to convince him do that, and we were on the adjacent track, but it just wasn't meant to be. That track sold for about $11,000 back in the 70s.
0: 11000
1: And it's worth millions now. But the thing that gives me, my dad did give me energy for whatever reason. This was the Dixon track right behind me here. He had acres and acres. This was the cane track, and what, what it was on the uh, the cane track here. Energy probably had gone to Dixon, and he refused because he wasn't offering enough money for a right of way. So then they decided to come to within the African American community, and for peanuts, they got the right of way. See all my land over there. I
0: saw that big old. That we
1: can't do anything with it, and they paid my dad. My dad gave me those papers. I haven't found them to turn yet. He said, I know they did not treat me fairly. And this was back in the 60s, I think. He said, they didn't treat me fairly. He said, baby, you're smart. He said, if anybody can go after Energy when I'm gone, it's going to be you. (laughs) I have the original papers from when Energy got that track from my dad back in the 60s. So they they purchased the track? They bought the right-of-way. So, your dad, so you're still on the land. we still on the land, but you owning the land and being able to do it, my dad still formed it now. He was able to form, but in terms of, like I told my husband, if we would have had our problem, all of my kids would have homes. And this, this would be a pain, the, the subdivision extent, of way, a community. But because of the way way they put that power line right there. I mean, it's right there. It's me. right there. A big old line. And they were up in here. Uh, what was this? Was it the, the last storm? I think. Hurricane Ida. Ida, or maybe it was before Ida, the one before Ida, I think, because Ida didn't do that much. But a storm took down the one that's adjacent to my house here. Took that big old the big a old whole wing. wing off of it. That the storm before Ida, and energy had this whole had us. We couldn't even get out the front. We had to go out. Thank God, we had two ways in and you know a way in and a way out. So you got how many? You have about eight houses on this track right here. About eight, and it's all family-owned. I own this is my family home, and that's my family home over there next door. And I have a cousin that lives in it right now, so it won't just go down. But actually, that was a labor of love over there. I bought that old Dixon home from off of um, old Jefferson Highway. And you moved it? I had it moved here and they thought I had lost my mind. I think I have some pictures of it. Before, it was a big raggedy, <laughs> it was a shotgun. And when they moved it here, I told him how to set it up. So you had a
0: vision
1: for it. I said, see this room? I showed it to the guy who moved it for me. I said, this big old long cafeteria looking room, I said, stick it on, cut it right here where this room is. You're going to have to move it in two pieces anyway. I told him where to cut it and how to set it up and see what you see setting up. That's how Now you want to see something. I started a youth center for kids who didn't, could not afford to go to camp? I got all my rich cronies and to pay their fees, and I had it. It was called IVH Home Retreat Center. I might have contacted you to do something. 4 H Home Hurt, Help, Heal, and Hope, which was the IV. That was the 4 H. IVH. Like IV, like, H- like, like home IV in your home Ret- too, right? Uh-huh, <laughs> home Retreat Center. And what I do stand for? Hurt, help, heal, and hope. I wanted to help hurting children. I wanted to give them hope. And I wanted to try to encourage them to have a career, future as from from youth on up that they would be proud of. I was blessed. And I love to take them on nature walks and tell them about the history to inspire them sharing the history of this property and how long when I tell them, this property has been in my family since the 1800s and some of them, the older ones, when I would have camped them, they say, well, Miss Arlene. How y'all family owned all this property back then? He said, Wasn't your daddy slaves? <laughs> and I'm going, No, my daddy was not nice. <laughs> But that was the purpose of the campus right, right. to that get rid of think, some right. of this, you know, <laughs> stuff that's been bad stuff that had been pumped in there. I said, No, my daddy never was. A slave. He said, But you say your daddy was born in 1906. And I said, yeah, but slavery ended in the 1800s. I said, my grandfather owned this track, and he was born in the 1800s. But nobody even talks about that anymore. But back when I was a little boy, every family knew that. Yeah, we all knew that. You know what my tribe was? I never, my daddy said, we was part of the Mottaglossian Indians. I never gloss I remember that. I never, heard that a, name. I never heard of it, and I've been trying to learn how to spell it. name. Made to go probably help me on that. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to spell it so I can. He said the Moduglossa Indians. So, but tribe. he knew.
0: He knew the truth.
1: Somebody told
0: See, him that. But our grand, they would never tell us what tribe. They didn't like that was. There was a shame of
1: it. Oh so no! Would, that's tell your heritage. Tribe. My father told us. He said, "We," were, I wanted to find a picture of my grandmother. So, you, my grandmother. I had somebody laugh and I told them, I didn't know that was my grandmother. They had a picture of her in the house in our family home and I said, we called my mama mama dear. We didn't call her mother back then, she was our mama dear. I said mama dear, who is this old black African lady here? And she said, baby, that's your grandmother. That's your daddy's mama. I said, oh, my God. I said, for real? And she said, for real. She said, that is Mama Lucinda. Lucinda Kane. Lucinda Brooks Kane, by the way, she told me, which was her family name. And I said, oh. I said, so that's daddy's mama, huh? And she say, Yeah, but you know, being a child, yeah, you, know, you don't okay. really think about what you're saying. You just say what you think. <laughs> well, she, and, she, she, she fit nowhere into the picture. She, yeah, picture. I'm going like, ah. Oh. I said, Well, anyway, I said, I got some great. She said, Yeah, that's where you got at, the high the high that long neck and that high cheek. I said, Okay. Yeah, but, but it's interesting said, how
0: we don't share, we don't got away from, because for whatever reason, I guess the system wants us to think that all of us came out of Africa. Most of us, a lot of us, was already here. And she might have. But she might have. But a name have. like Lucinda.
1: Lucinda. That probably was a the name they could gave it. have gave you. Yeah, they probably could have given you. And she was a Brooks, and my grandfather was a Kane, so she was Lucinda Brooks King. So your grandfather was a King? She's also year. buried back in the. All those old 1800 people buried <laughs> back there. That cemetery, oh, now that's what I got to do some more research on. That's, that's a story all about itself. You You own a cemetery, a cemetery Eighteen
0: from the 1800s of a- your family. Uh-huh. That's your whole family history back there. But, exactly.
1: you, don't, but you haven't figured out your grandfather's how, history. How, no, I got yeah. to find out. And his, on his tomb, his name is spelled T-H-A-D, that C-A-N-E. All of my relatives, since my grandfather, is C-A-I-N, the biblical spell. Russ always tells me I'm a killer. He said, you can't kill it. Your brother can't. <laughs> when, I, when I be getting on him about stuff, he say, not a killer instinct. is coming out <laughs> in you now. And I say, you better shut up. Lord, But we got oh. some history. Some all history right, here, all right, all right, all right, all right. Was When you asked me who was my hero, mm-hmm. my dad. I love my mom and she was too, but my dad was my, mm-hmm. my dad would take me around. I used to do my dad's bookkeeping for the farm. And like, I didn't get to tell you, that my dad was a, he was calling the truck farm. Hold, hold, hold on, hold on, I'm gonna I'm start in My food. dad, I tell Russell when we'd be passing places like, French, I say, Russ up. not only did my dad didn't think he had enough acres the farm, his, his sibling. I say, my dad, I don't know if he was sharecropping, leasing property, we was in Sorrento, we was in French settlement, we was down over. Who should do ro-? My dad had acres. He had Angola Rose. my brother called. He said, I was the one they took me in the field one time, only one time, because something I had done, they won't punish me. And I told him, daddy, I cannot work in that field. First of all the sun is gonna make me blacker and I said it's too hot and I'm gonna be falling out and I was the oldest girl at the time. Oh, and so <laughs> only had girl. Now. But later on they had three I had three younger yeah. siblings and Russ said they you, don't like you because you got away with murder. Yeah. And my dad taught me how to cook. I'm a good cook. So, he, he teased me, but I'm a good cook. What, what, what I had of, to cook for the field hands. My dad hired people what, to work for him. What, what, did y'all, uh, what, what did y'all grow in your food? Oh, Jesus, sweet potato, corn, cabbage, mustard greens, sauce potatoes, okra, anything. He peddled to Winn-Dixie stores. What was in mother stores? The A&P stores. My dad, all the little mom and pop stores in South Baton Rouge. My dad had this truck or pickup truck he had these wood sizing, and my aunt said they would be so shamed when they 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 needed a ride to the bus stop they didn't want to get on that truck that truck load that, that truck got baskets of sweet potatoes and piles of mustard greens and boxes of corn and she said I mean, we were so, and my bless us so my aunt just died she was another one of my mentors. she uh she said, we were ashamed to get on that old truck, but everybody else was walking to school, we didn't have to walk. She said, but, she said, she said my brother-in-law Thad, and a lot of people, the older people called him Fad. My dad's name was Thad, and I, when I got old, I didn't like him calling him Fad. His name was Thad, so call him Thad. Mm-hmm. And my mama said, you're going to have to live with that, because that's what they've been calling all his life. His name to them is Fad. To you it's dad. Or you call him daddy. So don't worry about what anybody else calls. He know who they talking about. Said, yes, man. But Russell likes to tell the story about me working. I didn't I'm the only one of the group did not do field work. And Russell asked me, How did you get out of that? I said, Russell, they took me in that field. I hadn't been going and I said, Lord, this is not this is gonna kill me. This is not my kind of work. I might as well have been a slave for never have me out here in this field working like this. And baby what happened one day I was in the field and I say, Oh, this son is just too hot. I'm gonna pass how you overdraft. All right, Russell, you Mr. Russell. Mr. Russell said, You a drama queen. Baby. baby, my daddy told my mom, he said, baby, he said, I'm not gonna make that baby go girl go in the field no more. He said my mom said, "What?" He said, "No." He said, uh, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna write her a little recipe thing, and she gonna have the food ready when we get in from the field, and you won't have to be cooking, working in the field, and going home and cooking." So, and so he had the peas first to, pee so, my dad, to so my dad had convinced her to let me stay home, and I cooked for <laughs> all of his workers. My dad had people from everywhere coming to work for him. I told Russ I didn't really know how rich my my Heritage was until I got grown and really had to go start buying corn and potatoes and different things from the store And I said I ain't never bought this stuff before. Y'all grew grew your own. Everything, everything. Butchered hogs. I couldn't handle watching the hog butchering and he had his cows and like I told him I said my dad knew people everywhere. French Settlement, Sorrento, Prairieville. My dad leased I don't know if he leased it or they just let him have it as a sharecropper. I don't know how he did it. Because I I can't see him paying all them different people from all the different places he formed. And he didn't farm little short, you know, like a little garden. My dad did acreage, and he did Angola Rose. You hear him talk about Angola Rose? They say they had a long rose in Angola. Well, he had Angola Rose. He was the first one that I ever heard him talk about that. So your dad was forming and he wasn't no little time for him. Actually, my dad went to agriculture school at LSU uh, Cooperative back in the day when he got out of the military. My dad was an Army brat. So when you went to LSU, you remember when he got out the military? I have to go look at his at the date, but it had to be. My dad was born in nineteen oh six, so it would have been probably in the forties because I was born nineteen fifty. So he was doing all that before I was born.
0: And did he have a quite, quite a few brothers and sisters too?
1: He had an uh, older brother, Amos, and then Raymond, and Amos, no, Raymond. Raymond was the oldest, then Amos, and then Thaya, Amos, Raymond, and Thaya. No and then okay. the girls, there was his oldest sister Rose, uh, who my sister's named after Rose, then there, uh, there was A-Violet, O-Violet, but we call her A-Violet because O-Violet was another whole syllable, so we call her A-Violet. Rose, Violet, Aunt Justmus, who had the track right her it's inherited by her grandchildren now. Aunt Justmus, Then was his three sisters. Now he said he had a sister they called Pinky, but Pinky died when he was young. And then his brothers was Amos, Raymond and Thad, the baby. My dad was the baby. Amos but, Raymond. Mm-hmm. And he served my dad must have served in World War Mm, he was born in 1906. My dad might have—I don't know when World War One was, but he definitely—if he wasn't one, he was in two for sure. Probably World War Two. And I have somewhere a military picture of my dad with his little, little mini cap on, you know. Well, you got all that too. You got all the history then. And then, like my my dad was army, my oldest brother army, Vietnam, and my younger brother army. All our regrets. Then I married a a um, dirty a dirty dog, whatever, Marine. I married a Marine. <laughs> my first husband, he was not military. He uh, was he was family.
0: Okay, now you said, we but your first husband y'all y'all lived out in Mayfair. We lived in Mayfair. And you but you've been here since uh, we bought a
1: house in Mayfair and I've been here <clears throat> since ninety he died in ninety seven and my mom moved me home because I was devastated. And I lived with my mom while, for a while and then my sister insisted because I was troubling my mom because I was depressed and going through a lot and so I lived with my sister Rose who's a nurse. She made me come and live in her house with her until I got to play and sketch my brother Rudy who worked for, uh, retired from Exxon. He, uh, worked with this guy Murray Daniels who was an architect on the side. And I had sketched out my layout you see here on um, just took me a piece of paper and designed my house with the upper area and hey, the upper, room, yeah. my little <laughs> upper room. And uh, he did the he did the blueprint part. And I built this house. And it's a wonderful me. home. Beautiful. I built home. my my deceased husband He told me when, on his deathbed, he said, baby, I'm leaving you. He said, you're a smart woman. And he said, you know, you're very frugal with everything. You take care of yourself. He said, don't die, because I'm dying. He said, I want you to go home and build your house on one of those acres we own. He said, on your family acre. And I said, but you coming home with me, right? And he said, I'm going home, but it's not with you. And that inspired me to move forward because before that I was just like a wet dish rag. Mm. That was my high school sweetheart. And we had been married 20 years. We had just celebrated that anniversary. Without children. That beautiful picture. Right he there. had and this is another thing that angers me with the other group of people. My husband had mesothelioma. These attorneys, without my knowledge, got him to sign on to a class action. And we've getting little dribbles, you know. My kids got a check. I called a lady and sat down and I knew it wasn't the lady's fault, but I just was upset. The children each got a check for $2 and something. One of the settlements they claimed they got for the Mesopotamia. I didn't know it, but I, I sat by his bed from the time he went in the hospital until he passed and still didn't know that's what we were battling. The doctors never really told us the truth. He worked for Ethel Corporation until he came home one night and he said, Baby, it's killing me that I got to get away from that. Got to get away. He said, he said it's killing me day by day. And I was working at L.S.U. at the time, and a student. I said, "Do whatever you got to do." I said, "If it's doing that bad." He said, "Well, I'm not going to just leave." He said, "But I want you to know what's going on." He said, "And I know I never wanted to count on your income." And he did not. Mm. He did not count when we bought our house in Mayfair. I insisted I put the down payment down, because I told him marriage was a partnership, and we had a partnership. And I said, you got to let me buy in. I know you are the provider, and I don't take that away from you. I said, but let me help you, and let me put the down payment on the house. Since, you know, this is a community property state we're in, you know, I had to remind him. He said, okay, if you insist. He said, but I wanted you to know I'm the man of the house and I take care of all the responsibility. I said, Well, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to tear you down or anything. I said, but marriage is also a partnership and I'm your partner. And you gotta let me help. I said, you know, we die and all the money that I'm saving, guess what? Somebody else gonna be fighting over it, you better let us go on it. And I'm so glad we bought that house in Mayfair. We lived on the corner of Shenadian around here. The only white brick house in the neighborhood over there. And we lived there until he passed. That was
0: about
1: fifteen years. mm mm-hmm, I, I don't know where Shenad is. When you turn right there by the school, Mayfair I was I was one of the students this is history. Mayfair Elementary School, I was one of the first students that Till that school when that school oh, that school was built for us which you this part of my history you didn't get Foreman Elementary Former. Foreman you know they got uh, yep. Bergen Foreman Road. Oh, right. I don't know who Bergen was, but I know they had Foreman Elementary named after the Foreman person That's the first school that I went to when I started school Foreman and Russell nobody never heard of it I said no it was a schoolhouse I said I could see it. I said they even used to have those society turnouts on the grounds at the, the schoolhouse. I said I, they had Mr. Manadier and Miss Trent. Manadier was the uh, upper class. Miss Trent taught the lower class from one through sixth grade. I don't know how they did it. His class was here. Then they had a, a room which was the cafeteria. We we got it from our desk. We went through the cafeteria, got out little plate of food, cutting pans. And, Pants and Palms was a cook. Now that's how good my old memory <laughs> is. She was a cook. That lady cooked for the whole little little school. Three three-room schoolhouse. Oh, so. And we had to go to them outdoors toilets. We had a we had outhouses at the very back of the like, don't think I'm that old, baby. I ain't that old. <laughs> but anyway, the outhouses. <laughs> You're not about that. I the outhouses <laughs> was like the school, I could draw it for you. The school sat here and then there was a little trail, and the outhouses sat back here. And baby my belt dropped in that door. I had a <laughs> I had a little which We were having um they used to have a, a special May Day. Remember that you May did May day, day? day? And uh I had my little, little belt on, baby, and I thought I was so cute and that day that's the only time you can wear a little belt. I said red. I had some little white pal pushes with a pretty little red and white red shirt with white polka dots, and I had a little red patterned belt. Now you know that's a good memory, and I can't remember what happened yesterday, but I can tell you that. So, right. honey, I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> had to go to the <laughs> I don't know how in the hell my oh, excuse me I don't know how my belt came a loose. and dropped in that. Tub. Oh, you oh, and you're talking about somebody boo You thought it was a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> they were boo and going uh, I was boo and going on, and everybody thought somebody had snake business, something else. And they said, well, Holly, What's wrong? Because I was always like a little leader. I, was t- I take care of everybody. And they said, What's wrong? What's wrong? <laughs> Tell us them- I said, My belt. <laughs> My belt. My belt. My Toilet. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. And, and my brother was the oldest. He said, I don't know how I got there, but well it's, it's gonna stay <laughs> uh, uh, I said, who's uh, gonna tell mom? Uh, Mama you gonna be you know, she, she gonna fuss at me? My brother said, No, she not gonna fuss at you. You didn't throw it in there, it fell in there accidentally. My brother was so much older, immature. It was and he was only a year old, but he was my little protector. But I'll never forget that. Yes. But that's the first school, the first. well it was the only colored so, so. school in this area for children to go to. It was a one room school. It was a so, one, so. It, well actually it was three. It was the upper but class it was and one, the lower it was one, class. It was one, like a house? It's a house, What's well, like a house. So that was called a Rosenwald school. A Rosenwald school, but that's what they called it. But yeah. that's what it, it was. Team, and, Washington and then it. I could draw, you know like the classes, this was one class, this was another one. And then in the front was the cafeteria. And we would walk through, and they had a door here and a door here. We would get up from our desk, first the lower class go. We'd pass through the cafeteria, get our lunch, come back around, and go sit at our desk and eat our lunch at Foreman Elementary. And I know it had to be, Russell, say so think Foreman was a white yeah, individual. Did a former Foreman. I told him I don't know Barrage, but I know Mr. Foreman, because that's the school I went to. What? And when they moved me from Foreman Elementary, my class, I'm proud to say, opened up Arlington Elementary across the track. Arlington. I'm a product of one of the first hold on, hold on. students. Your name is Ar Arlene. Arlene. What's the name of the school was Arlington Elementary. That's Arlene. down there across the track off of uh, Brightside over there. It's Arlington Elementary. It's off of Perkins Road. Oh no. Say Brightside. That's Russell. off of a uh, that's
0: Nickerson Drive.
1: Nickerson Drive. It's yeah. off of Nickerson. Cross yeah. the track. Yeah. It's still. I don't know what they're doing with it now, but we passed by that and I showed. Drive. I said, "Russell, that's the that's the second elementary yeah, that school I went to." over there.
0: All of, that's name of was Arlington. Arlington.
1: They built this still. In. Is, it, is it open? I don't know if it's open. I told Russell next time he take me down there, he gonna have to take me to see my. That's that would have been my second elementary that school. It is a former. Elementary. still the, the building still there. No, they got apartments sitting on that track now. They, they tore that building down. I think Farm and the Foremans even donated that the track for the school for the Black community because you know schools were not definitely not integrated when I was coming up, and after they integrated them in my junior high, a senior high year, as I graduated from McKinley in '68, and. Uh, they had schools, but they were trying to encourage our people to go to Baton Rouge High, Lehigh. I say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not wanted. If they don't want to be with me, guess what? I don't want to be with them. Because I know just as much or more than they know. Because I know who they are and they don't. I told that to them and my mom and my daddy... My, what you mean by that? You know who they are they don't. I knew that I was a child of God, oh that I was born in a godly home with godly parents, taking to church, love everybody. I didn't see color. I just saw people for people who they were. If you don't want to associate with me because of the color of my skin, then guess what? I'm fine with that. I don't want to have nothing to do with you either because if you don't want to deal with me, I don't have to deal with you and that's the way, and when they were recruiting the best and the brightest, I stayed on the honor roll, was always smart. They was recruiting the best and the brightest to integrate Baton Rouge and Lehigh, and they had my name, I said, you can take it off. I'm not going. I told them, I'm not going. I said, I'm not going anywhere that people are gonna be spitting on me, calling me names and stuff like that, because I'm not gonna last. I'll be fighting every day, and, and I'm not a fighter. But I'd be fighting every day, and I wouldn't get my education. I say, "So let me stay where I'm wanted. I'm comfortable, and my parents actually listen, and they let me." I did not. And hey, were you living out here then? I was living right in that front house up there. So, so they came and got the bus. That's my mama, that's the family home. But the, came the bus came and got you all. Bus picked us up. People fussing about busing. Yeah, we were bused. Before busing, we walked out, yes, up that trail right there to the Foreman Elementary back then. I was glad when they moved us to Arlington so we could get a bus ride. Then we had to catch the bus right here at the road on sixty one. We had to leave the house early enough to get out there to catch the bus in the morning. So you had to walk to sixty one. No, right out there. Yeah, it's not that. No, it was far for a child. Right. And then my mama wasn't gonna walk out there and protect us and keep us out of. Uh, oh, and I just mm mm until I told my daddy about you know some people was driving by and they holler nigger and you know and. In the, because airline, you could count the cars, we used to sit on the porch for activity. Our front porch on my mama house up there. We used to sit on the porch and it was me and my older brother and my baby brother, we were the oldest, and we used to say, okay, Rudy get the first car, Rudy the oldest, I'm going to get the second car, i next, and Evan, you're going to get the last car. So every first car came by, Rudy said, that's my car. And then the second car comes out, I said, that's my car! <laughs> and the third one came out, my baby brother said, that's my car and I got an old <laughs> <laughs> We, He'd he think we rigged it like that, but we, we couldn't tell. It was like every third car that passed, up, and you got and it wasn't often we we could kill a whole day sitting out there. And we might have come. We might have seen twenty cars. So you're telling me on oh, airline highway right here? Right there. We sat on our pole. Back then, you would only see
0: yeah.
1: twenty cars the whole day pass on the airline. Back in those days, that was even in the six before. I don't know how I got so busy all of a sudden. Russell said it grew. You know they got all that stuff down there yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah. And and he say even now with the interstate, you let something happen to that interstate. Them cars was bumping. Something was wrong. I can always tell there was something wrong going on on the interstate. Them cars bumping about bump, trying to get out. Oh go this way. Okay, but that's another way to travel. Oh, they're gonna take 73. That's 61 and 73. We set, our track set between highway seventy three and sixty-one. The cane track. Now you tell me how canes owned that kind of property back in the 1800s. But at that time, it wouldn't work. That they just it wasn't just nothing fear. Nothing. But they didn't own nothing. They was owned back in the 1800s. A lot of. Them. So I told Russell, don't ask me. So you, you haven't you have did the research to figure out how your family acquired. I know in my day I had to the Purchase or agreement or what? Uh, who, who did you pay Who paper? Who, who did your grandfather purchase from? I have to look at those papers, they are in there. I have those papers because it was 33.13 acres is what he bought. And this back in 1800 now. How much you paid for it? Probably nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it might to his daddy. His daddy was one of them other people.
0: What would you mean one of them other
1: people? What's it say? All of us got white blood in our family. I said, Russell, that's not true. Well, he said that. Russell said, I didn't think about how... He said, ain't no black people own no land back in the 1800s. I said, Russell, they had to. He said, yeah, they had to if it was given to them by whoever owned them back in the 1800s. And I said, you know what? I never thought about it, Russell. I just thought we automatically had all this land already. I say, but I do have a papers where it was purchased, and I have the year it was purchased. I say, but I'm seventy-one years old. Hell, I've been on this land until I married and moved to Mayfair. I said, I was born on this land. I was born at home. All my siblings were born at home, on this same track yeah. of land. I said, is a land that's been in our family. I said, you say, but have you ever thought about how your family, African American family, owned all this land? Back when there was still slavery and then there was, you know, segregation. I said, Yeah, but I ain't never give it a thought. I thought it was just something that, you know, everybody on. He said, No, everybody didn't own land, baby, not in them days. He said, They share a crop. I said, My daddy ain't never share a crop. I said, Yes, he did. I take that back. I say Because my daddy had acres like down Hoosier 2 Road on the Beecham, the Beecham, the Beechams were. They had acres and acres like we did off of too, uh, what they call do Road, back behind me. My dad farmed acres down there. My dad had a Mr. Weems in Sorrento. My dad had people working for him, and one of the guys that worked for him, when he had his his uh, I don't know if it was greens or beans, but he had acres down there. Crop, and he had people working for him. And one of the workers, he robbed the old man. Mr. Williams down there in Sorrento. Then people come and got my daddy. Our house had burned down to the ground. I was, I was a young girl in school, but our house, we had a huge house. My dad and all his friends built. It burned down to the ground. And my daddy had a potato house. His potato house was as wide as this door to that wall and long. If he kept all of his, when he did his harvest his potatoes, Irish potatoes, he put them. My daddy took half of that potato house and made us a, a house.
0: Y'all lived in there.
1: He put straw down on the straw down on the on the earth. Then he had them old um, railroad cross ties and black them old black square tie. He put them down as the foundation and they got plywood. And they, cause we were living with my grandmother, was six of us, boy, and I wouldn't want six of us at the same time. And he told my mom, said you got to Dad, you got to do something to get us out of here. So we moved in that potato house, baby. And my mama divided it up. And I was praying. I got sick on the bus, Lima, one day. And cause we were bus to school, cause we didn't have, a, you know, they had shut out of the school now, so we was going to Arlington. And I got sick at school, and they drove. I didn't want, the, I didn't want the people to see we was living in the potato. You know, at that time, shame. I'm shame. I ain't had sense enough to know I'm blessed. I got a roof over my head. and I Ain't paying nobody for it. And uh, I told uh I don't know if it was one of the teachers who drove me home. We didn't have no phone either. Couldn't call my mom and tell them they was bringing. So I told her, I said. I think I could make it home from here, cause you're not gonna be able, to, not a old red, old gravel road with that. I said you're not gonna be able to go down that road. She said, "Well, Arlene, how are you feeling?" I say, "I feel like I'm. Not, it's not that far." I said, "I feel like I could get home," and she said, "No, I'm not gonna get myself in trouble. I'm supposed to take you on. Now show me. I know you know how the bus pick you up. Where the bus pick you up at?" I told her, you can put me out with a right on where the bus pick me up, right down on Airline Highway <laughs> She said, Well how do your daddy get
0: home?
1: I say, uh, that little road is a little further up. I said, We catch the bus right here. I said, But the road my daddy come home on, is that that's, that was uh There I came lane not I said, It's that street named after my dad, My daddy, my grandfather. And she said, Can I turn on that street and get to your house? I said, yes ma'am, <laughs> put my head down, put my head down. And, I, and I'm sitting back like this, and Lord, that woman going to see we living in the potato house. <laughs> and, and my mama and my daddy, they say, our oh, super intelligent honorable roll student were about, she's sick now, she were about the teacher seeing. A potato house. He said, "I should have gave that teacher some of these potatoes." (laughs) But when you get, but the moral to that is, once you get older, get married, become a parent, and come to realize there are so many people don't have food to eat, don't have a home. A potato house was a home back then. And I was blessed, but I was too young mm-hmm. to appreciate it, and to know that I was blessed. You so shaved the a potato Shave my potato house, baby. I didn't want to bring it in. And I'll eat, a I'll eat a potato in a minute. I was like, I told Russell, I said, Russell, my dad provided those produce to Winn, Dixie, Food Town, to all the stores. He, he had that truck. He had them on wood sides, like I told you, on that truck. And when it was his day to go out, you know, through the week he's getting, like on Thursday and Friday, my dad had that truck loaded down with ice potatoes, sweet potatoes, mustard greens, butter beans, green beans, you <laughs> name it. Oh. I mean, it, he had to make sides so he could put them, them little uh, wood crates that he put everything in. Have my brother and my dad washing potatoes till almost midnight sometime, getting his potatoes ready to get them to go to uh, market. So he had everybody working. Everybody works. You do so, No, Exhibited. indeed, I do nothing like that. I, first, I got the, uh, you know, like when you wash sweet potatoes, it has this milk that drowns your hand and get black. I got a disease. I knew it was a disease. <laughs> the first time my mama was punishing me because I hadn't done something, and she said, "Oh, you." She, uh, she said, "You gonna take your ass out there. and You gonna wash potatoes today. <laughs> I don't care what your daddy say. You gonna wash them potatoes." And I said, "Oh my dear, oh yeah. my dear, oh my dear." You see when Tyler Perry called, "What's wrong, my dear?" <laughs> and we had a dear before he even had a Monday. dear. please don't make me go out there. She said, "You are going out there, and you gonna wash potatoes today. I don't care what your daddy say." She <laughs> said, "I will fight you there, but you wash them potatoes today. Send me out there. I had never washed them before, y'all." I didn't know nothing about the, the white milk from the potato and stuff. I washed potatoes fine. I didn't know I had got this stuff on my hand. So later on my hand, it was tacky. So I'ma wipe it on the grass. Wipe it on the grass, grass, stuck, old dry grass stuck to my Oh Lord, I went hollering and crying. I, I can't do this no more. I got a disease. Look at my hand. I got a disease. Look at my hand. My mom went. She was trying not to laugh, but she was. She was. Asked, I realized not. She was trying to hide her face and quit laughing so she thought she knew I was just gonna fall out of the boat. And uh, my daddy heard the commotion and he I and mean, he said, "What's going on?" I said, "Daddy, look." I done got not some kind of disease See, I told y'all I shouldn't be washing the potatoes. I said, Mama, you're punishing me because I didn't wash the dishes. I said, I not I got a disease. Look, Daddy said, baby, that's not a disease. He said, come on, Daddy going to take it. Daddy going to get it. Daddy going to fix it. My daddy went and got a piece of cotton, got some kerosene, uh, uh, what is it? what they put in them lamps because we had them. And my daddy wiped. Power and life devil, and he said, Now nah, let's go wash them and got it off. The disease was gone, disease, <laughs> gone. <laughs> <laughs> baby. But I had a wonderful life, right? And I, I, you still I, have, I everything. still have, and, and God has blessed my dad. I was born up in a Christian home. My dad, I was the first one, I led the biggest group up to the altar for at revival than anyone. at St. Luke Baptist Church that was put there in the eighteen hundreds. I I found, I did I wrote the history for the church more I did all the research about where, St.
0: Luke located
1: at? Right there off of Jefferson Highway when you come out uh is that Antioch Road? Road. Yeah, that's Antioch. Saint Luke said right there, St. Luke is the oldest black church in this community. Saint Luke. Eighteen I think it was eighteen sixty three that acre was donated by Teresa Foreman. I had I did the history, the, the true history. Nobody knew the history until I did it. That was inspired me to go in journalism at LSU. That's what I finished in. So you ended up going to LSU to get your I got both my bachelor's and uh-huh. my master's is in public administration. And you worked at LSU. And I worked there. I made them pay. I didn't pay a penny. Uh, since I'm gonna work here, y'all, y'all might as well let me do when they say. Go to school. We could go to school, take two hours for no fee. I say, I got it. I got this. So and my husband said, you sure you want to do that? I'm trying to work full time and you got the kids and I'm working at Delta and having a work shift I said, I can do it. I got this. I can do this. Something good came out of that. And they're yes, paying, paying for your retirement now. And then I even had a white co-worker she says, Arlene we were having lunch together. She said, you know what? You, I know you black, you look black but you don't you don't talk black you don't act black. And ooh, my husband was so mad when I, I took... I was just so humble and like maybe naive to a certain degree. <laughs> and he said, she asked you, what well, What did you say to her? I said, he said nothing to her. I just told her, well, I am black. My mama black my daddy black. I'm black. And she said, yeah, but you just don't... You, uh, You're different from the rest yeah, of us. I said, you should have ask her ass, what is talking black? <laughs> Explain <laughs> what talking black is to me. And I say, you know I'm not that kind of aggressive. I'm not going to do that to nobody. I say, if she did not know, then she didn't not know because I don't know either. <laughs>
0: so you knew Dr. Joyce
1: Jackson? Joyce,
0: yes. I know Joyce.
1: <laughs> Joyce served on and I served on different committees at LSU, yes. Yeah, okay, because we, we did a podcast with her several did months Did you really? Joyce is a sweetheart. She yeah. really is. She ought to be done retired. So no, you know, she's the chair of the department now. Hell, hallelujah. <laughs> hey, hey, that's my girl. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, my God. So, oh, that is awesome.
0: You, you didn't know that? No. She is, She became the chair, I guess, in May
1: of this year. That is a, oh. Well, I ain't gonna think so bad about my well. Like I told her, I said, Well, see, I don't think that because they paid for me to go to school. I ain't paid a pen. I got both my bachelor's and masters from LSU. And I said I didn't pay a dime. So, and then I said, I never experienced any any really discrimination. Because, you know, they, they say they didn't think I was they didn't think I was black.
0: Whatever that's supposed to be. Whatever
1: that means. I say, but I am a my dad, black. I name guess, guess Arle, um, R- 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 that, that, that must was R- a name. name. That wasn't a black <laughs> name, I guess. I don't know what it was, but I found out that when it comes to common sense, the Caucasians they are book smart. They are they are so smart. They know you know calculus and trigonometry and all that good stuff. But when it comes to making common sense decisions. They liked in that department. I couldn't figure it out. I told Russ I need to start writing my book on them. Because I worked with PhDs and I was working on my bachelor's and master's at the time. And them PhDs, like my grandmother would say, they didn't know shit from top. <laughs> I'm quoting my grandmother, and sometimes my mother. <laughs> they really they they, they 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 got so much of brain power when it comes to the intellect and the books and stuff. They don't have no common sense. I could take little common things. I had a I was administrative assistant, and then I had a secretary and I had an accountant, and we just get together. We always. It, we would get together and we just laugh. We would I say, "Girl, can you believe we had a?" That's what just kept us grounded because we had our own little circle and we could laugh at some of the dumb stuff they did. that, they that thought that
0: PhDs new. was doing.
1: Because that's like when I, I retired early. I really didn't want to retire, but we got a new director from. He, was, he, he had been in the department as long as I'd been there, but he hailed from up north somewhere and the professors I had before him that was the director and I served as the assistant, I was really the director. They didn't do nothing. They just knew that I had the capabilities I could handle. This new director, and this was right after my youngest son killed killed his wife and killed himself, and we won custody of my oldest first and oldest grandchild. I needed to change my hours. Ernest was working at UPS Mount. Deceased husband was working at UPS. And, you know, he had to go to work. I was working because I wanted him. He didn't want me to work. I didn't really need to work. I just wanted to be independent. That's just, I was in that generation of women that just did not. I not want no man to be totally responsible. He might decide he want to walk off. He might meet a beautiful blonde and decide he, got to, he don't want this no more. I said, mm-mm, I want to go to school. And he supported me. My husband supported me and that's how I got my degrees. But then when he got sick, I told him, let me put the down payment on the house. Let me do, this is a partnership. That's what marriage is in our book. Now, I don't know what it was back in the day. But I said, we have a partnership here. Now if I was a a homemaker, that would be one thing, but I'm out and I'm making, we traveled every year, we took our children on vacation, we did things. And that was the purpose of me working like I was. But when he died and we had custody of the deceased son and daughter-in-law's child, only child, I asked this man who became the new director I said, Doctor, can I change my uh, my work hours? And I was salaried. I wasn't. I wasn't working by the way either. But out of respect for him, I'm being his assistant. I'm, you know, I needed to pass what I needed to do. I said, you know, I lost my son, and I have to. My husband is is running, trying to get our granddaughter to school. I said, I need to get her to school. I tell you what. It, I normally come in at eight. I say. If I come in later, like at eight thirty and nine, then I work an hour later. I put in my time, and uh, he couldn't do that. Well, when I went home and I told my husband what happened, he said, "Well, just give him your letter, give him your notice that you're leaving. You don't, have, you work. He don't. He must don't know you're working because you want to be that." He said, "I don't want you to no. He said, "Now this is your perfect chance to come home and." hell be here for this child, cause she really needs you. That's what convinced me at that time. I needed. I had almost twenty years in. They had put a new director in. He told me, uh, "Well, first he took me to the dean. I wrote him the letter requesting a cha- and I wasn't hourly by the way. I was salaried. I got paid. I was the assistant director. Took me to the dean's office for the dean to review my request. And <laughs> Dr. Chapman said, "Bill, why y'all here?" And he looked at me and I looked at him He said, okay, anybody gonna tell me what y'all, what y'all, what is it y'all need? I said, well, Dr. Chapman, it's like this. I said, here's a request I put into Dr. Wiseman for him to agree to let me change my hours. Come in, I work from maybe nine to five rather than eight because I have, you know, I lost my son to suicide and killed his wife and killed himself and I said, I have custody of their child. And I said, I need to get her to daycare. And I said, in traffic is well, then, nothing like it is now. I said, I wanted to change my hours. He said, well, you're not an hourly worker. so why are you going to change your hours? He said, you're And I say, out of, because I'm always a timing person and on time and open up and take care of things, I said, I just needed to be established that I need to change the time, even though I always worked over eight hours. I said I just wanted officially on the records. And he said, well, you don't report to me. He said, what I'm trying to figure out, what y'all doing here? I said, well, I gave it to Dr. Wiseman that we're here because he insisted we come here. He looked at me and I looked at him. He looked at me, I looked at him. And I'm sitting there saying, hmm, you know what? I was going to say he left me well off and I'm going to accept that. I said to myself going back, I said, I'm gonna call personnel and I'm to get an update on my retirement. And this was in nineteen, was it ninety-seven, I think it was, or ninety-eight when Ernest died. And I came back, I told April, who was my secretary, I say, Huh, I am fixing to retire early. I said get personnel on the phone for me so I could talk to them. I talked to the girl. She said, well, you, 19 years, you're a little shy, because I started when I was, I finished from Capital Area Business Training. That's the first school after high school that I went to for my training. I couldn't afford to go to college because I had two small children. So I needed to work, I wanted to help my husband, and he was working for Ethel Corporation. That's where he got that mesothelioma from Ethel Corporation. and." Uh, he was uh, working there, and I'm at LSU. So I said, Dr. Wyman didn't want to change my uh, time bus. I said, he took me to embarrass me. I knew we didn't need to go to the dean. i report to him. I said, he wouldn't even sign a paper. He said, quit. I said, quit? I said, all the time I done put in that LSU, and you think I'm going to walk away. He said, quit. He said, what comes first, LSU or this baby? I said, Well the baby, of course. He said, Well, quit, Arlene. I keep telling you, we got enough stock but I have to take care of you, to take care of whatever needs to be taken care of. I said, Oh, okay. So I went in the next morning and I told April I was fixing the retire early call personnel and I called him. And I said, uh, tell me what I'm gonna get a month if I retire right now. And the lady said she said, Well let me calculate it and I'm gonna call you back, Miss Smith. I said, Okay. That lady called me back. She said, oh, you're going to get 1700 and some dollars a month. And I said, what? I said, did I see you right? You said, what? She said, 1700 I said, okay, <laughs> would you send me my retirement paper, please? When I, when I got home, when Ernest got home, because I always got home before, I told him about it. And I said, Ernest, you know them people going to give me 1700 and dollars a month for retirement? He said, they are. I said. Yes. He said, Well, what you going to do? I said, Hell, I'm going to retire. I might not live that long. I'm going get my retirement and somebody else's retirement too. I'm going to get some of those that couldn't, uh, bless their soul, unfortunately, they could not get there. I'm going to get theirs and money. I. I retired in 1997 The fall because they gave me this big retirement party. And I am now 71. I probably was, let's see, Ernest died in 97. I retired the year he died. And actually 98 because he died like November. And I retired right after his death. So I've been getting that money and I still get that damn check. I say some people, some people, they work all their life and retire. And they may live one month. Some of them might not even live a day after retirement guess what? I've <laughs> been living my retirement since, and it might sound like penis to some people, but I get $1,700 <laughs> every month sitting on my behind, and I had to do nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing. I ain't going to say nothing, I'm going to say nothing. <laughs> nothing, just like we said nothing. <laughs> and I say, you know what, that's a blessing. He left me well taken care of, <laughs> and then lo and behold, I stayed with her. I had dated he ain't said nothing. But see that who was the man that was sitting What's right What what they name? Russell Sanders. Russell Sanders. I had dated a couple here and then and I said, mm mm, ain't nothing. See, I'm looking for somebody that had that old school mindset. You open car doors for me, you gonna do the things that I'm accustomed to. I ain't ran into him. This thing come along. He was a gentleman. <laughs> oh, okay. He was definitely He opened see old school men open car doors for you. Open door, pop me. I have been used to opening doors and stuff, but you know, I've been a widow, I'm by myself. I wasn't really even dating nobody. I'm used to opening my own car door and doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. When I got here, get out the way. I said, hit me on my hand. <laughs> <laughs> You don't think I'm gonna hit me again? I said I try to remember. I said I'm used to doing this for myself, so you got to let me do it for myself. I said don't be hitting me. Just you know, kind of maybe move me to the side, but You don't know, put your hand around my waist and say, "Okay, baby, I got you. Don't <laughs> hit me on my hand because you're from that you damn trans Yeah, I'm country. I'm from <laughs> Out of you. you like a like you, a baby. Yeah, don't
0: <laughs> hit <hitting> me on. <laughs> and I'm gone. All right. On that note, we we're going to shut it down. We're going to come back. Uh, we have Miss Arlene
1: Kane-Smith hey. hey. Sanders.
0: Lord, have mercy. Amen. Thank you, Mr. I'm going
1: to give you a copy of my write-up. I, have wrote, I believe I have told you everything I wrote. <laughs>
0: Man can shackle the hand. Man can shackle the feet. But only you can shackle the mind. The mind is always free to travel, wherever you dare to take it. Welcome to Count Time.